Hey guys, I want to welcome you to another edition of Halftime Chat. Must be the music. I have to keep remembering that it isn't must be the music, but it is Halftime Chat. And um, I'm really excited. I've got um, my next guest being the legendary Miss Angie Stone. Um, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's been out since the seventies. I mean, that's is to tell you how long she's been in. A, you know, started up in a hip hop group called The Sequence, then moved on to um, Vertical Hold. Before we started to see her um, in the nineties during the the rebirth of the neo soul. So it is going to be amazing just seeing how much we can talk to. Tangie Stone, she's just signed a new album record label deal with SRS Records due to come out with a new album in March, a new single. And um, yeah, so I'm excited and looking forward to this. Okay. Hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm good, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Okay, yes, uh, I pr appreciate that you could be able to join us this evening. Thank you for having me. Yes, thanks. Thank you. Now, okay, yeah. Oh, that, that's great. Yes. <laughs> are you? Are you? Do you have a, a something to hold onto your phone, or are you going to hold it onto it? Or I'm gonna have to hold it. Okay. <laughs> because it's about the you know I my uh it's about the um. The charge. I didn't want it to die on us, so I'm holding it closer to the charger. Okay. I was, um, in the middle of something else when he told me, so I had to plug it up real fast. Okay. Well, sorry about. Yes. Oh, okay. Appreciate that. I mean that we are. Um. Well, I'm I'm out here in England. It's it's it is just about nine o'clock at night, and. Um, okay. <laughs> yes. And, Very good. Uh, yes, and. Um, but it's it's you know it's exciting to find out that you've just recently re-signed with as signed with SRS Records. Oh oh I missed that. Oh I think your sound just went. Um... Yeah. Okay. Same yeah. thing. Same difference. Okay. Yes. Okay. And um, so it, it's um, so it's been great. I mean, after nine albums, it's great to see that you're gonna come back with some new stuff. But um, yeah. Part, <laughs> yes. Um, but one of the things that we always like to do is um, because we have an international audience, we tend to sort of want everyone to get a picture as to who you are and where you're from. So for the, for the international audience, where were you sort of born and raised? Oh, please. You guys have that story a thousand times <laughs> over, but I was born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um I mean South Carolina. I mean, and 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 I guess for all of us, and as I said, being that we're international, I mean, a lot of us would, um, when we think about American artists, we we have, we were so used to seeing a lot of artists from the '60s through the '90s starting their craft, in, in, say in churches and 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 stuff. Where did you home your 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 sort of skills? Church, same thing. You know, I, I was born and raised in South Carolina, but of course I started in church like most people do in the South. You know, I was a gospel singer as a kid and, you know, transitioned into secular music and so on, you know. 
So. Yeah. I mean, you said secular music. I mean, I, I think many people, um, especially myself, didn't realize that you were one of the pioneers of hip hop, especially female hip hop. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that because when I signed with Arista, I pretty much had a gang order and I would talk about it. They didn't want to age me or date me, but I was uh -huh. one of the very first female rap groups to transcend the worldwide connection. First female group on the Sugar Hill label, um, the sequence, and uh, we were the first ones to tour. So before the Queen Latifahs, the MC Lights, the you know, a lot of the, the salt and peppers, we were uh, established 10 years prior to that. Yeah, I mean, in this, I mean, are we talking about the, the, the early 80s or was it the late 70s? 1979. Wow. I mean, I don't even think we even knew about hip hop until the, until the sort of early 80s. No, you had, you had Rapper's Delight, which was the first 12 inch, the biggest hip hop record at the time. And the the female version, which was Funk You Up, Dr. Dre did it over. It's called Keep Your Heads Ringing. But that was the first rap record, yes. Wow. Now, I mean, you know, I think the interesting transition is that you, you, you're raised as a gospel singer. Now, getting into hip hop, um, did it not seem sort of odd, you know, just the, sort of rapping or talking as opposed to the singing because just even fortunately for us we could do them both mm -hmm. so you know we started out as kids doing hip-hop but we we could always sing and so it was an easy transition that is why one of the biggest records around is fuji's lauren hill yeah this education of lauren hill and the fuji's was a replica of what we did prior to it becoming so phenomenal yeah, did did you get um, support among your peers at, at that stage? Especially, absolutely. We go our album went gold in three weeks. Wow, three weeks. We made cash box on Billboard. It was the first time in the history of music that females made cash box that quick. Wow. And we were the first female group to have a 12 inch to sell. 12 inches weren't selling. 45s were selling. We made a 12 inch and it was the second one after the Sugar Hill Gang. First female group. They were the first male group to do a 12 inch that sold and broke a record. Yeah, I mean, which is amazing. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are as to why the Sugar Hill Gang became the sort of the VHS of, of um, early hip hop and, and the sequence became like Betamax, where we became synonymous to the game because unlike sequence, they had sampled a record, which was already a huge record, uh -huh. which was Good Times by Chic. Yeah. Sequence had an original rap record, which had never been heard by anyone. So by the time people figured out what was what, that record had already been a success. Good Times had already been a success. And what they did is just rolled on a record, jumped on a record that's already was a hit. So it was easier to recognize ah. off the bat. And so by the time the female version came, people had to get to know that record, but they were willing because they had such success with Good Times. I mean, with rappers like... Who, whose idea then was it to, to not do the sampling and say, let's just get... 
another sort of classic track in this rapper. Well, we I... didn't want to do sample. We, we were the first and are the first of its kind to have an original rap record. So it's much better to own your rights to your record. And right now, today, 30 years later, 40 years later, we own the rights. We have over 300 and something interpolations of that record. Old Dirty Bastard, Trina, Dr. Dre, Erica Badu, they all have used that record. Yeah, but 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 that way of thinking is much way ahead of its time. Even in the 90s, people weren't doing that, people were sampling. So who's who, that's a that seems very brave, um, as, as very business-wise. Because great. we wasn't thinking as business people we were thinking as kids we were thinking uh, i know for a fact two of us were cheerleaders in the group so we had an uncanny way of you know controlling the crowd so funk you up was a control the crowd record so we took the same energy that we did with cheering for our football team or our basketball team and we cheered for our fans and at the end of the day it was an easy transition because we were used to doing it yeah is it the same? It's not the same funky up that we had with um, um, Bruno Mars and Calvin. Uh, well, Bruno Mars was inspired by our. Oh, inspired funk. by. His was Uptown Funk. Uptown Funk. And he has parts of our song, Uptown okay. Funk You Up. Yeah, he said, yeah. Uptown Funk You Up. Our song was Funk You Right On Up, going to funk you right on up. So he took parts of that record to create his record. And he admittedly says that. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, that, that's definitely... It I was mean, inspired by the sequence. Okay. My goodness. I mean, at this... At, at, you, at, when you're around, what, 15, 16, you, you, you have an, a massive record like this, especially um, something that is for females, which was something very new. Was this your dream career? Did you think, yep, I'm in my career, this is going to be the greatest? Absolutely. What 17-year-old? <laughs> does not feel grand with a hit record and touring the world with some of the hottest stars. Yes, of course, we thought we had hit, we hit the mark right on the spot. Uh, but then, um, how, well, how did your family take the success? I mean, especially at that young age, were they really- course, at, at first they were a little leery, but after you start sending money home from the tour dates, <laughs> they're okay with it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, because from the sequence, I know that we, we you go to vertical hope, but then what was what you know? Because I think guess in the, in the eighties we started getting people like Curtis Blow um, and, and and others um, coming up. What and Curtis to- Blow is one of our heroes. He's one of the first ones we'll tell you about the sequence. So Curtis did his thing, and I'm very proud that we're associated in the same breath. Yeah, but what then? What 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 happened with the sequence? I mean, the, the, um, after the, the success of that first single and and project, the album. What happened with the sequence was everybody um, wanted to be on that level, and Sylvia went and snatched all of the rappers off of the streets of New York, meaning Furious Five, the Funky Four, the Treasures Three. The house became crowded, ah. so at that point, it was. Let me work on this group. Let me work on this group. And so, of course, everything is timed. Uh, it's timed. And um, what ended up happening is we ended up being the party girls and the girls for the West Street Mob and the sequence and the party track girls just trying to help everybody else get their records done. And as a result, time went by. 
Mm-hmm. So by the time the whole roster for Sugar Hill was going bananas, we were all the way back around the square one trying to get another hit record because all of the hits were being absorbed by the newcomers that came in. Everybody was just so excited to be down that, you know, every it's just like when they invent a new Barbie doll, the old Barbie doll becomes the old Barbie doll. Ah, so they didn't really just say, yeah, because I guess it's more so if they if they saw you as a longer term project, they would have been like, OK, so I'll keep working on your stuff and not rushing just to start flooding the market with, 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 with new acts. We were being used to help the other people. Pretty much we were, you know, singing and rapping and writing and doing other things. We were the voice of the West Street mob half the time. It was just a lot going on that you guys would never see in front or behind the camera. Wow. I mean, would, would this part of your life ever get shown or talked about? Would you ever do that in a it film? May, it may or may not. You know, part of this is they like to keep a lot of things swept up underneath the rug because too much of the truth will come out. It'll spoil the lie. Uh, yeah. And especially the fact, because as I said, most of us would say, oh, Andy Stone, Neo Soul, um, um, you know, Pure Soul. And and I guess, you know, when I was doing, to hear that you actually were one of the pioneers of hip hop, especially female hip hop, it doesn't seem to correlate. And it's this fascinating story that I wish, you know, when we're celebrating hip hop and the birth of hip hop and everything, it doesn't seem like they tell you a story. I, I could have never- But they I, don't. And uh, we just did a big special uh, that will be aired coming soon, talking about the uh, icons of hip hop, the the the- groundbreakers the first responders pretty much so the story is starting to uh take wings of its own because there are a lot of artists a lot of people that know the truth and like the way you're feeling a lot of the pioneers are feeling like sequence did not get there just to and if it weren't for sequence the female rap game would be a dead deal yeah, don't worry. I mean, that's part of one of the things that we, we we're trying to do is to cultivate um, our Black history and, and 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 culture and really celebrate. Um, right. And so when you notice that, okay, the house is getting crowded and, you know, it's, it, we're, we're getting left behind, is that when you said, okay, you know, let me switch back to my roots of singing? Yes. <laughs> that's exactly why I want to make an exit. I decided to leave Sugar Hill and pursue a solo career in singing. And at the time, I was warranted because they weren't sure what they were going to do. And what I didn't want to do was let grass grow under my feet and blow my opportunity to be a songwriter and a singer because we couldn't control the narrative. Wow. Did did you learn a lot actually from your experience at Sugar Hill? Absolutely. Okay. It taught me the game. It taught you. I mean, so early in your career, that's re- that should be a really good thing. So early to learn about publishing and points and 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 ownerships and stuff. I did learn, but did I apply it right away? No, because I was learning as I went along. Wow. And in doing that, it's try. It's called trial and error. You make some mistakes, and I made quite a few mistakes, but I kept going. And my gift made room for me. I kept writing. Mm. I kept producing. I kept growing as an artist. And as a result, I finally cracked through. And people began to respect me as a songwriter. 
Yeah, no, no, the, the element of being a songwriter, um, because that's not a natural thing. And some people have, when I've interviewed, have spoken it more of a, as, a, as a gift and some have to work towards on it. For you, how was songwriting to you? Did it come naturally? Did you have to work on it? It came naturally because I'm a poet. I love poetry. I love English. I love words. So for me, it was easy because it was something I enjoyed doing. It's not as easy for other people because it's not, you know, something they enjoy doing. Okay, okay. So even when you were dis- with Sequence, the, the old raps, were you, was it part of the poetry you were just writing and expressing and flowing with it? Correct. Okay. And then when you went back into singing, um, did you have a, a subject matter that was at, in those early days that you focused more oh, on? Oh, no. I, I, whatever I sang about at the time was what I was experiencing. It was very interesting because for me, I could do, you know, anything but fail back then. You know, when you're young, you're hot-headed, you're, you're excited about life, and you can't make any mistakes. And back then, I wasn't making any mistakes. I was winning. Mm-hmm. And I could do what I wanted to because I was, I was the author and the finisher of my story. And I always had God in my life. So because of that, I made sure that I was anchored in the spiritual world uh, with God and I trusted every move I was making. Yeah. Wow. And then me moving around, I have to get comfortable because I was sitting in front of my fireplace and got hot. Yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine, no, it's fine. No, it's no, it's, it's a blessing that we, we've got you. The um did you plan to then go solo because I think the next we kind of saw of you was part of Vertical Hold? Well, I went solo once I walked away from the group. Uh, I didn't know that I would join another group. I started writing by myself and the people that I worked with, the engineers, which ended up being Vertical Hold, the guys at the studio loved my ability to write. Mm. And so they started asking, could I write to some of their tracks? And that's how we ended up being a group. Okay. Okay. And um, you, did, did you, what was the difference with that sort of situation being in that type of group compared to when you were younger with, with your friends and sequence? What did well, you know? this group, well, I was the only female mm. and there were three guys at the time. So it was already different. I didn't have the cattiness of being in a female group. Yeah. And I was the center of the attention because I was a girl. I was the only girl. So it made it a little bit easier. Yeah. But, and then you were able to, um, but what about the sort of the, the business side? Because it's a different type of label experience compared to, say, you know, the startup well, of Sugar it, Hill. The business, was, the business was good because they focused on what they wanted, the label, what they wanted. And so I bartered with the label. And I said, well, you can have me based on if you take them. So everybody kind of knew their position. Wow. Okay. Did you enjoy how when you go look reflect back on vertical hold? Did you enjoy that phase and period of your life? And- I did enjoy it. It just was too long trying to get signed. Ah. Okay. Yeah, it's a very different world now where people focus on the music and 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 not and, and not the business side. And 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 being yeah. signed back then is that that was your way of getting your music to the right. to the masses. Um. But it seems as if after a couple of years, I mean, 
we get you there till probably the mid eighties, and then we, we we sort of don't sort of hear from you until until the late nineties. What's what what was happening in that sort of gap? Well, I think I had put in the time that I wanted to with the group. I hooked up with D'Angelo, started writing and learning a new energy, and I wanted to build on to that. Um, became a Bob, you know, a relationship. You know, my life took on a different meaning. And as a result, I was transitioning into the next relationship. So that relationship with the group had run its course. Okay, okay. I mean, so, I mean, we, we so we... We, I mean, yes, because when D'Angelo came out with Brown Sugar, we noticed that you you were involved in, in some of the writing um, of that album. Yes. Okay. It, it, it's, I mean, I, and I guess it's, um, you, you know, it, it's almost like a throwback because your sound and his sound at that stage was almost like a throwback to some, some stuff from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Did, did did you guys feel it was a a risk actually to to, to come no. up with this? It was a natural. It was natural. It was something that we felt certain of. It was natural. It was a good thing. Yeah. You didn't question it at all. It was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, according it was to us. Yeah, no, it was excellent music, but I guess. Because if you think about the, the, the that time, though, I mean, 96, I mean, you had Puffy and his and, and what he was doing, Bad Boy. You had all the the, the type of um, sample and hip hop based type of um, influence in, of, of R&B. And, and what you guys came out with was almost stripped back soul, um, which was very mm-hmm. unique and very different. And it... it there was a, a successful album because the fans went for it. But I'm just wondering when you're in the studio and you're playing stuff that is not on the radio, do you guys not even think about, okay, we need some pop hits, we need to get a no, hip-hop because we didn't. we never thought radio made music. We made music. And then radio caught up to what we were doing, then they would get it. But if we, if we allow radio to dictate how we move, we will never be content. We will never be happy. We'll never welcome change because we will be following someone else's lead. Yeah. It, it's, um, so I guess saying that then, did it surprise you how well um, Brown Sugar did as an album? No. <laughs> I knew it was going to do great. I knew from the moment I heard it, it was going to be phenomenal. Because music is a welcome change. It was something that we hadn't heard in a while. And it was something that we needed. Yeah. It was a refreshing break from the norm. And um, was that the opportunity you had actually during Brown Sugar to be able to start to get yourself back on your own as a solo artist or how... How did that help re, re, restart oh, your career? No, no, no. Let me make it clear. Mm-hmm. I was already on the top of the charts before Brown Sugar came out with Vertical Hole. Okay. When I went, uh, when I had Seems You Much Too Busy, it was number 13 on the charts when I met D'Angelo. 
I started working with him as a songwriter. We were both signed to a publishing company together. By the time I finished co-writing with him a few of the songs, which was, you know, it wasn't a rush, it was what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was doing, I just made sure that I continued to write. That was my bread and butter. And so by the time Brown Sugar came out, I didn't have to go anywhere. I was still in my, I was still at the top of my game. Mm. Did, when you were writing, um, did you feel as if, you know, actually let me, yeah, I just enjoyed going back into writing or did you feel that? Oh no, I never wanted to just stay writing. I love performing too much. <laughs> How did the opportunity then come? Because you, you signed with, uh, with the next we see you signing with Clive, which is, you know, the biggest, He's over 90 years old. It was easy because I had written a lot of songs. I had done a lot of demos. I had voiceover for D-Vox. And, uh, you know, he came to London, the UK, and played some of my stuff or some of my my demos. And they thought we were a group. They wanted to sign me right away. So what he was trying to sell was a group. And I had to come in the loop and say, we are not a group. I'm a demo singer. I'm an artist of my own right, but we are not a group. So I didn't want to do another group. So I made it very clear and they understood. Wow. And um and then actually being um did you feel as if signing with Clive was um because he he, he seems to have a way of um taking female artists to um you know, really taking him to the, to the next level. How did you feel about him particularly coming to you and saying he wanted to bring you on his sister? No, I, I just wasn't concerned with any of that because I was always super confident in my work. So I didn't need Clive to validate me. It made me feel good that he appreciated No More Rain in His Cloud and wanted to get involved. But I, I didn't need him to validate who I was. It just made me feel good that he actually appreciate the music. Yeah. Did, did, were you allowed to do the music yourself? I mean, what I mean is that he, they yes, went... Yes, okay. I did all my music myself. Clive actually entrusted me to do a lot for myself and others. Now, now, now that is very rare because, they, you know, most exec labels are looking at, well, commercial, but... No, not him. Anybody that he felt that could gain something from me, he would encourage it. Yeah, the um, but but when um, Black Diamond came out, um, did you the the success of it um and and the impact did it catch you by surprise? Yes, of course, because nobody thinks their record is going to come out and do that well. I didn't know I was just another fly on the wall that you know, and it happened. Yeah, the um. Because yeah, as I said, because they, the, one of the things that that both yourself um, and as I said, we got from D'Angelo was that sort of usher usher of um, allow us us to go back to soul. And I, I know Kadar came up with neo soul, but it was it was it was stripped back R and B. Um, so we had yourself, we had Erica Badu, Jill Scott came along later on, um, and and why so, you say Kadar came out with neo soul? Do that well. He he says he, he actually tried to copyright it, <laughs> he tried to copyright the name Neo Soul, 
and uh, because he said he invent he invented the name um, Kedar. Hey, you believed him? No, no. This is no. This is something that was. If you if you if you search for it, <laughs> if you search for it, you you see that he tried to copyright it. That he says he came up with. He coined the phrase Neo Soul, um, and 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 that was oh. what he tried to do at Motown at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to be a star, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he because he he started. I, I as I said, we were consumers and we were fans. We just well, you know, when people used to ask me what does that mean, I used to laugh because I never knew what it means. So I gave it my my own rendition. I took those letters and I called it "New Era of Okay Music." Wow. That's the only thing that Neo meant to me. It was a new era of music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it and it definitely was. And it, it was something that you know, as I said, we, well, we that as- was my that was my definition. But who had nobody asked me other than, you know, not about uh, you know, where did it come from? Because I would have told him I didn't know. But I, I did tell him I don't <laughs> I didn't care for it that much. I didn't. It didn't make sense to me because I, I, I don't ever want to have to explain to someone what does that mean when I don't know what that means. It did come from my creation. So Neo Soul was just another person wanting to be a star. So they threw something together, and that's what I see. Yeah, but did did did, did you feel like you were in a company of, of others who was on the same uh, same vibe of that type of? felt relaxed to be able to express I think that everybody that jumped on the bandwagon followed the lead of D'Angelo, uh, including me. I followed his lead because once he opened the floodgates, I'm like, okay, this is very comfortable for me. So he and I started working together and started to create something that everybody wanted to shape their music up. They had a direction now. And now with the two of us working together, I'm sorry. The two of us working together to make sure this sound was, you know, authentic. We stayed true to what we believed. So everybody else coming behind that was trying to mimic that. Yeah. Whether they was trying to do their own thing, I couldn't tell you that. It was too close to trying to keep up with what we were doing. Yeah. You know, one song that really inspired, which which is probably still needed, was their Brother. Yeah, well, D'Angelo had nothing to do with that. No, 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 but it, because one of the things that was powerful, and your song, because one of the things that was powerful about it was um, sort of the recognition of, of Black men. And, mm-hmm. you know... It, well, it was said loud, I'm Black and I'm proud on the female side. It was that, there was that uh, um, barrage of energy that just kind of said, I'm glad that I'm Black. I'm proud to be Black. I want you to be empowered as a brother to know that because your Blackness is your strength. Yeah, but but you know, you, I mean, you, it, when you think about what we what we experienced with George Floyd and the national, the worldwide outcry, but it, it, in, in, and in spite of that, we're still seeing these situations happening. One of the things that I thought, saw and felt by your song was a sense of, you know, actually take a look at yourself and, and understand who you are, you're a king. And I think if you recognize who you are, the, the, it changes your mindset, changes your vocabulary, changes 
how <laughs> your, 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 your behavior and, and, and that was such a, an inspirational track. Um, it's unfortunate we don't, we don't get more of those types of, of tracks that just elevate right. and lift us up as opposed to let's fight the power. But we just need to say, you know, you're, you're, you're great. Right. My battery is look like it's going down. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Are you able to- I told you when I moved away from that spot, <laughs> I have to stay plugged in, but I tried to move around for you, but. Oh, okay. Are, 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 do you have the extension or do you want to wait? Uh- I don't have the extension where it puts me in an awkward position. I have to charge my phone up some more. Okay. Um, if you, you want to, we can reconvene in about 30 minutes. Yes. That, I would say let it charge up a little. Okay. So about 5, yeah. So it's 5 p.m. Eastern. What time is it there? It's 9.30 here in the UK. So it's in 10 o'clock. So 10 o'clock, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait right, for so you. We'll talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my phone on. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll see you in a bit. All right. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of the Half Time Chat community. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, but most importantly, why don't you consider being a member? as a way of supporting the channel, but also getting a lot of videos ahead of time a lot of behind the scenes stuff and some exclusive content that doesn't get shared. But anyway, thanks for watching and thanks for being part of Halftime Chat. Sweet.